Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the Red Men Weekly Podcast. I'm Steve Hoare here to bring you the best clips from our Red Men Plus shows from the last week. Hope you're all doing well, hope you're all ready to get into these ones. Before we start, just to let you know, if you want to watch or indeed listen to all the full shows that these clips are from, if you head to redmenplus.com and sign up as a yearly club captain using the code weekly, W-E-E, K-L-Y, you'll get that yearly subscription with 20% off. So rather than paying 50 quid, knock 20% off. Even my maths tells you that's a tenner. Get it for 40 quid. Jobs are good. Right then, let's get straight into this one. The first clip comes from the Biased Football Podcast. It was Paul Machen, Chris Page, Chloe Bloxham and myself discussing Leicester City sacking former Liverpool manager Brendan Rodgers and what is next for Brendan listen to this one let's talk what's next for Brendan then Chloe what do you think to be perfectly honest I'm not too sure what he, like I feel like he needs a little break um, because for whatever reason his voice wasn't having an effect in that dressing room take a little break break away from football I mean saying that you know I wouldn't say he's odds on for Spurs or the Chelsea job, but there's weirder things that has happened. And if both of them wait until the summer to actually sign someone and bring someone in, then you just never know. He's had a little bit of a break and he can come back and he can head straight into it. But for me, I see him going back to a, a, a place like Leicester, uh, City, uh, Celtic, my God, suck me. Um, someone like them again, because I'm, I'm just not sure where he ends. Maybe Southampton. Um, maybe that's too low for him. He's not going to be a champion He, he did... He, Oh, you think Southampton are going to Okay. Have you seen Southampton? No, I've seen them. Like, well, yeah, who knows? But I, um, I, you know, I think well, Southampton are currently 16th in the form table, <laughs> uh, so much better than Leicester, Leicester. bottom Leicester. Can I, can I guess, I Leicester. think I wouldn't be shocked if Deserby or Frank moved from Brighton or Brentford, and I think I could see Rodgers sliding into either of those jobs. I wouldn't be shocked if, like, for example, if, if Spurs don't get Nagelsman, I wouldn't be shocked if they go to Brighton for him. And then I could see Brendan moving into there. Isn't that mad that Brendan wouldn't be higher above him in the pecking order? I mean, it's just like a recency bias thing. It's, it's the end of the season. Good luck, good, good luck tell, selling Tottenham fans on him. They couldn't tell him on Nuno, you know what I mean? Because it was like, are we sure? A lad who's just been sacked for nearly getting Leicester relegated needs the man for us. Mm. He needs to go and build. I think, I don't even know if Brighton would be happy with it, like Brighton fans and Brentford fans, but it feels like at that more that level. But it's you're right. Maybe, maybe he could be when he goes abroad. Yeah. Like you know, he, he speaks Spanish, doesn't he? He's travelled the world, like maybe maybe abroad. But when you hire Brendan Rodgers, you you as a as a, I don't think there's any footy fans who particularly like the fella, because go back to the cringe thing. Like he is a bit of that, and automatically you're on a Rafa gets a little bit of this. You know, if you if you're not a nice personality, people don't, don't gravitate towards you. There's less enthusiasm, even even despite your. I think we're being a bit harsh on on Brendan's personality. I don't think he's I don't think he's as bad as I think as, he's cringe. As, as, I think uh, everyone thinks he's cringe. Like cringe city. I think the internet thinks he's a bit a bit like that, but I think he's he is in person. He's not. He's not that. No, in no, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. But the fans don't know him in person. You're lucky enough to have spoken. No, no, to no but I mean, you, but it's about buying from the players. Is the thing is the point, isn't it? No. I agree that that could that might grow tiresome over a period of time. But I think he could walk into most football clubs, have an upbeat bit. He's got a tactical way of playing. He's quite clear in what he wants from people, and players do buy in buy into that. Go on, Claire. I was about to say there was an interview this season a while back where James Madison came out and said we've got to do it for Brendan Rodgers and he was talking about how how the players weren't putting in enough effort and how it wasn't even just for themselves it was for Brendan because and you can clearly see he was respected in that way I think at some stage there like fair play to, to Leicester as well because they stuck with him far longer than what a lot of other clubs would have um, 
and they've kind of they've came to a situation in which if they had longer in the season they'd have kept them if it, if you know but it's come down to 11 games left whatever it is and they're like look if he if he gets the next three wrong we're seriously in trouble um and fair play to him he won he won Leicester City in FA Cup that is a brilliant achievement and yet it didn't end the way he wanted them maybe stayed there a little bit too long um but there'll still be clubs who want him and and there'll be clubs where he can go i'm just not sure he stays in england because i don't know who in the premier league your brand and where would you go what are you looking for in your next job i'll be honest right if if (laughs) if i was him if and i mentioned this one before i think if crystal palace do stay up then i think crystal palace wouldn't be a bad option for him um, because obviously Vieira tried to put in a certain style of play. I think Vieira, you know, I liked he could do something like that. I, I, I think there'll be teams sniffing around Vincent Company and Burnley coming back into the league yeah. might be looking for a new manager, which would be a little bit of an, an outside shout because Company's obviously done an incredible job there. Um, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if someone like Tottenham was sniffing around him at the end of the season. Vincent Company, to be honest with you. So they could be coming into the league looking for a new manager. Failing that, I think Brendan's got big enough balls to go abroad and yeah. where. And, and he's shown that. By, I know it's only moving to Celtic, but I think he's a, he's a student of the game, Brendan. Uh, or certainly likes to believe that he is. He's not got it. And this is the thing is where Stephen Gerrard, for me, got it wrong. We obviously mentioned him. Because he's just too he's just too tied to the Northwest and too tied to his family in some regards. Brendan doesn't have that. He doesn't have the young. He doesn't have the young family thing, does he? He, he needs for me needs to go to the continent. He needs to go and find a job. Like, in, like Moyes did. Moyes did. Then he came back and. Yeah. and the, I mean, obviously, it wasn't like he, he tore up trees at Sausage. No, he, he got away. Yeah. He, he got a job because if no one's going to hire you now in England, you can't just sit around for three years. You, yeah. you need to go and do something. He needs to keep to, yourself taken over. Exactly. He need for me, and I said this at the time about Gerard. He needed to go to Portugal. Go and try and get. I mean, it might not be available, but you want to. If you can get a job at Benfica, Porto, Sporting. or Sporting, you're going to be in the Champions League every season, and you've got a chance of winning the league. And then all of a sudden, you've done what you've taken, what you've learned in Scotland. You're getting more regular European football. You're playing at a slightly higher level with a better caliber of player, a little bit more budget to play with, and then you're maybe ready to make that make that step. I mean, look, he could get lost in that midsection because you look at. Right oh, now, that's not a bad option for him. Yeah, it's a great is, option. Mate. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's probably, he might option. not be good enough to get that at this point because of the damage that Leicester. What is the name of Jurgen Klopp's best mate who is back in? Oh, the old Huddersfield. Oh no, no, the old Wagner um, manager. Wagner, Wagner. Yeah. yeah, is it? Is he not? Is he? Is he, is he, is he yeah, yeah. Um, he might find that that's where he ends up. Though that this is where his next move is massive. He goes in the Premier League and he goes to Crystal Palace or he goes to one of those teams that again have got a small fan base and the the ceiling's even lower than Leicester's. I don't where you where you going from there? You know what I mean? He's got more to lose. He needs to go and get lost somewhere than, point, in though, Europe. Could he and, do the Rafa thing where you just go and piss the championship? Maybe. Company well, company Chris mentioned company before now. Company's well, stock has he, done, is, has he done that? All, and he, he, didn't, he did with Swansea. He really he, piss it with Swansea, but he, I mean, he, he were the best team, weren't he? Yeah. Maybe that. I don't know. I'm thinking, what's the best way to get back in Premier League? It's ego. It's ego yeah, for yeah. Rodgers, I think, that would probably put him out Because Wagner's tired it and he's struggling with Norwich a little bit. But like, I'm just thinking, if, he, if he's desperate to get a Premier League job, he might have to go and um, one by going and winning the Championship. And I think whoever goes down this season's going to have a good chance of coming straight back up. You know, If Bournemouth go down, does he fancy a year in, in the... With Bournemouth and try and get them back up, I don't know. But I'm with you. I think he should go abroad. No. I think he is. I think if they, if he, who knows? Because footy's mad, of course. But like, I think his ambitions. If he, if his aim was to have another top four club, he can't manage Liverpool. He's never going to manage Man United because he's managed Liverpool. I'd be shocked if he did that. Uh, he's, he's. I just don't see how he's ever going to get to the level. Where I, he's going to end one. up in the Istanbul team that's in a turmoil in Turkey. Yes. Whichever one of the Istanbul yeah, teams is failing, and, manager, yeah. Yeah. or the success if it's if they're doing shit yeah. instead. Oh, Galatasaray. Yeah. Yeah. Whichever one of them is is deemed to be the shittest yeah. at that point and got a good he's chance of winning the title. Yeah, he's just not got the right temperament for Turkey. I don't think. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, at least he, he, he needs his teeth doing again. He's laughing his head and he's laughing, isn't he? Um, he's been there before, obviously. Big picture. <laughs> Forgot links. If I, if I was Brendan, if I was Brendan Rodgers, I'd have like me mood board laid out in me in me home office, and I'd have the top. The Hotspur badge or the Chelsea badge up there, and go. They're they're the last two, maybe Newcastle, and say they're my last three chances of getting into a top English side. How do I go about 
doing that. And as to the point, he's got too much baggage to go to a mid-level Premier League team, I think, because I don't know how much you can reboot them. Whereas, you're right, a little bit of mystique and a law. People are hearing that he's doing good things over in Germany or in, yeah. in Holland or, you know, in, in, Wait, in, for in the future. He was in Sweden before he yeah, knows. Yeah, just find that he ends up in China on loads of dough, you know. Yeah, yeah, all that. Good for him. Xabi Alonso has done boss things with Leverkusen. If, and Frankfurt was the the team that came to mind and I don't know how Frankfurt are doing so don't ask me that um, but instantly I thought go to Germany go to a Europa League club because I think the Champions League might be a little step too far at this moment in time go and do that with the Chelsea or the Newcastle or the Spurs in the future um, but I was thinking go to a Europa League club and whether that is obviously I think Sporting it was who knocked Arsenal out they're not going to sack their manager do anyone have been sacked by a Premier League team a low like a middle table Premier League team and then gone on to get a top top job in the Premier League <sighs> not that I can think of you know somebody might be able to scream at that I mean maybe Ranieri but he, that was he, he took Leicester there he, you know what I mean like it's man, if you look at man, you, I mean, man United is an exception because they've got one manager forever, but like it's very rare you get sacked. And then, are they going to Solskjaer, Cardiff to an extent, maybe? Yeah, but again, there's ties to man, United. there was an obvious tie. Mm-hmm. Rogers does have Chelsea ties, I, I get that, but like it's, I think when you fail, like Gerard's going to find this when you fail in the middle of the Premier League. When if your aim was that, you've yeah. got to do some sort of seriously special somewhere else to get back up there now yeah. because. You've taken, you've, you've, you know, there's, there's blots on your record now. No, I agree. Go on that to one. Portugal, enjoy the sun, you know, maybe win a couple of trophies. But bear in mind, I reckon the Portuguese league is is more competitive than mm. you know some of the other leagues out there. But it's a, that's what you know. It's like going to the end of the visi. I mean, again, it's tough to get. You, you've got to be a PSV or you've got to be an Ajax realistically yeah. if you want to have a have a bash at that. But go and do something where it's you've got, it's got Scottish league vibes, where the odds are a bit more in your favour. The Premier League is hands and on. What are you going to do? It's fucking ridiculous. Twelve managers have been sacked. Like too, it's a bloodbath. Too many big teams with I am with ambitions beyond their station in that league to make a success of yourself, unless you've got a huge backer behind you. And he kind of had a bit of that with Leicester. Did all right, and it's and it's it's gone too long. Right then, moving on from Rogers, let's go to where shall we go? Unfortunately, let's do Liverpool versus Chelsea, or rather Chelsea versus Liverpool. It was Chelsea nil, Liverpool nil. The final word show. I hosted that one with Sam Walker and with debutant Dom from the Road End podcast as well. So yeah, we dived in to Liverpool's draw at Stamford Bridge. Here's what we had to say. What did you make of the subs again? He got a lot. He got a lot of stick again. Uh, yeah, especially I, again. I didn't. I wasn't working on the game, but I was doing a bit of socials for Redmen, and I was. I was looking at a bit of reaction and stuff, and a lot of it was like, couldn't believe that. Again, we don't know the fitness level, so I have to caveat that with a huge thing. We don't. They know more than us. What you can do, what? But I think some of them, like getting Costas off of Robertson, was a no-brainer. I thought that's yeah. that had to happen because he, he was struggling. I suppose the one that got the most criticism really was that Jota stays on, but Darwin goes off. Um, Darwin. I'm not gonna say like he looked like he was pulling up trees, but he, he probably looked like the, the of the three maybe the most likely to score because when we when we do eventually bring Gakpo on, he's playing left wing. He's never been yeah. He's been he's, his best performance in recently. I've still been centre forward. If you're gonna if you're gonna make those subs, you could go. You could have Nunes left, Salah right, and Gakpo up front. Mm. I think that makes more sense. More the balance looks better as that as a trio. You know, Man United the way. Sorry, Man United seven nil. Sorry, for example. Again, we don't know where Darwin's at fitness-wise. He's had issues again, it, but it was a bit of a strange one that he took Darwin off, especially and left and left Jota on. Yeah, and I think given Jota's form and the lack of goals and all the thirty-one goals now, thirty-one games that one. You know, he's hardly looking like he's going to be the one that gets you that goal, is he? So um, I think there was a moment before he brought Nunes off where uh, Reese James just took it past Nunes and then just put in a bit of a shift to be honest on the right and Nunes didn't didn't get back now I don't know whether that was the reason I've no idea but I couldn't make sense of it there's been a few games where I've thought whoa what are these what are these subs but mm. he knows better than us the team know better than us in terms of fitness but it, it does it does concern you that you know the game's there probably to be a snatching grab like we've mentioned why not leave your goal scorer on and also goal scorer and also Sam even if you're gonna do that, I, I don't get the logic of putting Nunes. Sorry, of putting Gap on the left. Yeah, I think he's the major positive that we've seen of him in the number ten. He's done it, Bobby. I think yeah. against City, he was the only one. 
he looks like he can. You mentioned before about getting the ball on the turn and going. Yeah, he can do that. You're right with Jota. Jota did it a few times, but it was a bit, it was a bit ungainly. It was yeah. a bit, a bit spawny for lack of better way. You know, he bouncing off him and that shitty. A little, a little, a little bit, yeah. But I, I did find it strange that Gapo comes on and gets stuck out on the left wing. Yeah, he's, he couldn't be further away from Mo Salah. Like the whole point of putting Mo Salah on is just giving that one chance. You need to yeah. get him the ball that one time. The book can even find Mo Salah. Mm. Every time he got it, it was a, a pass that he, he, he was stood still. He wasn't yeah. running with the ball. He was doing nothing with it. I found that odd that even if Nunes can't go, and I get it, he's knackered, whatever. Maybe you think Jota can't do the getting back bit. I don't know what it was. But That's it was, what I thought about it. Yeah, yeah, but it just get him off then as well. Like I don't know. Yeah, it just yeah. it, I, I thought it was a bit strange to go and shift Cody Gappo left when he has been having his most success centre forwards. Yeah, I think at that point he's probably just thinking, I need to ensure we don't concede, and if I get a sniff, you know, we'll get it. And, there was a few moments where the ball was bounced to the edge of the box and Gakpo has a few half-decent touches. But it was disappointing not to see him and Salah. Him, him and Salah didn't really play yesterday. He came on the pitch, but we didn't see them involved. And that's a shame because if you just spoke to us on Monday morning about who's going to win us this game, it's going to be Gakpo turning and running through their, their midfield defence. It's going to be Salah twisting and turning in the box or getting on the end of something or Nunes doing what Nunes does. We didn't see the three of them on the pitch for a minute. Like mm-hmm. Nunes was off before any of them came on and this is this is what we keep coming back to. It's just we can't get our best players on the pitch at the same time for long enough. But I was surprised. I'm, I'm surprised they only give Gakpo ten minutes as well. Don't That's you? what I mean. Yeah, you got ten. So Nunes comes off. So he he brings Firmino and Simakas off on on sixty six for Firmino. Sorry for Salah and Robbo. Then it's Jones for Milner and Nunes for Gakpo with eighty. So like he's he's give Cody Gakpo, who I think has been our probably our brightest attacking spark a little bit. Ten minutes. If you're going for the smash and grab, I get it, but you you need more than that. And then if you're gonna if you're gonna bring the ball, he, he needs he needs to be in a position where he can get the ball. He needs he needs it to be centrally for me. It, again, we I'm, I I don't know the fitness levels. I don't know. Cody Gakpo might have had something. He's been ill recently. I don't know what it was. I get it, but you're right. When I saw Gakpo come around, I thought right, it's gonna be Jota, mm. and uh, um, uh, we're gonna have ten minutes at least of of the front three that tore Man United to bits. All all scored a couple of goals against them, and we never got to see it again. Maybe he's saving them for Arsenal, I don't know, but I do think that game was there. I think if you'd got 15 minutes of those three, you might have got a chance. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I'd like to have seen Salah get more into the game when he was on the pitch. don't think we found him well at all with the passing. The passing was 10, 20 yards ahead of him, and he's yeah. nowhere near it. Do you think that could be a Gomez thing as well? Like he's got, you know, Trent, it's not Trent yeah. firing the ball into him, it is Gomez, but he's, yeah, yeah he's probably thinking. Fuck, I can't throw Trent on, right? Like, we might, I, thought we, we might, we, I thought he was going to, at some mm-hmm. point, I thought he might do this. And then Sam may before he just didn't want to get beat, and he's probably wondering. Sit, uh, Chelsea have got a, you know they bring Sterling on, they've got a million Mudrick, number tens, yeah. they bring a Mudrick on yeah. as well, and I wonder if Jürgen's half gone. Don't really, don't know if I fancy tens a little bit. Maybe we're gonna have to just accept because I agree they couldn't find Salah, but the player who always finds Salah wasn't even on the pitch. No, that's that's the problem, isn't it? When Trent's not on the pitch, who can? That's that's the concern for me at the moment because it's okay having your your best front three on the pitch, but if you've not got a midfield that can find them front three, then you can't go anywhere anyway, especially without Trent on the pitch. So yeah, it's it's, it's just deflating, isn't it? You know. No, you no, it's, it's, and it's hardest to think, Sam. It's the it's the because nobody can do everything. When when, when like Trent can, if Trent's if if Trent's defending well, it's it's easy. because yeah. he, he's doing everything. When he when he isn't defending well. Or like, because like I say, you look at the midfield. We end the game with a Henderson, Fabinho, Milner the midfield. Like, there's no goals and creativity in that. So, and then you haven't got your creative right back on the pitch. It isn't a shock that Mo Salah yeah. doesn't get the ball. This is why I was advocating for Gapo because at least you can just give it to him. You might be able to do it. Agreed. Jota doesn't really do that either. It did feel like Liverpool ended that game with a team that wanted to draw nil nil. Yeah, and the lack of pace. Yeah. <laughs> you took Nunes off a big Salah. We had one quick player on the pitch at any one time. I suppose Gapo's got pace, hasn't he? But yeah, it, it was. It would. It's the attitude clearly with Klopp is just getting through these games as little damage as possible when it gets to these moments in the game, doesn't it? I mean, the Trent one was interesting, not bringing him on, or not even bringing him on and slipping three at the back for five minutes just to get Trent on the ball for five minutes, protect our lead with sorry our our zero with with the three defenders and just to see if he can create a one good ball into Gakpo and it's one nil because he's the only person in both of those squads who's got the delivery like he has. Right then, let's never ever speak about that horrendous football game ever again. Moving on, Dan Club up next with expert insight. This week, Dan spoke to Blackburn Rovers reporter from the Lancashire Telegraph, Rich Sharp, all about Tyler Morton. How is Tyler getting on 
in the championship while he's out on loan this season. Let's check out what Dan and Rich had to say about the young Liverpool midfielder. He had impressed in his brief appearances for Liverpool. So I think a lot of Liverpool fans were excited by what could be to come for Morton. Um, he had made a few outings, like I say, prior to leaving. Uh, and it was certainly seen as a positive that the 20-year-old went and got some more first-team football, particularly at a level as high as the Championship, because it is a fiercely competitive league, as I'm sure, as I'm sure you'll attest to as well. So... On details-wise, just generally speaking, how has he fared? How did he sort of settle into the side early days? Because, like I say, young kid going into a very competitive league. How did he get on in the early stages, would you say? So, just a bit of background. Um, obviously, Rovers have got a good relationship with Liverpool. You've mentioned Elliot there. Obviously, they took Leighton Clarkson uh, the, summer, before, the yeah. summer after that. Uh, obviously, that didn't quite work out. And then this summer, they were after both Vandenberg and Morton. Mm -hmm. um, they wanted him... Early doors, I reported probably well before the season had started that they were after him. And obviously, yeah. Liverpool's injuries obviously meant that it was a bit later on that he came in. Mm -hmm. um, and the background to Rovers, really, they were desperate for a central midfielder. Um, I think fans would have liked to have seen two, but Morton was the only one because Rovers have got a good crop of, of their own young players. So, Morton is one of five central midfielders. Um, two of them are also teenagers who hadn't made the debut before that. So... Um, yeah, he quickly slotted in, though. Um, he's played 42 appearances this season, so he's got plenty of game time. Yeah. Uh, he's second behind Brereton for appearances this season. He's made the fourth most minutes of any player this season. So he's certainly not been um, been short of opportunities. Uh, and that's the way that Rovers do things. They, they do hand opportunities to young players. And, and Tyler's just been, been the latest one of that. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned his amount of appearances there. And... It might have shocked a few. I did a little bit of research, obviously, prior to talking to yourself because I knew he'd been playing regularly, but I didn't quite expect it to be that amount of games, to be honest with you. 42 is, is a hell of a lot for somebody so young. Um, and But that first-team exposure can only be a positive form, I suppose, in many senses. Um, and you mentioned sort of the youthful nature of that squad and something I wanted to touch upon a bit later, but I'll touch upon it now because you mentioned just how young the Blackburn Rover squad is and in particular the midfield department. So... In terms of his development and how he's managed to improve, has he, has he had anyone to learn from? I think Bradley Dack is probably the most experienced in that side, but has he been able to sort of look across to many else in the squad and go, oh, that's what I need to be doing, that's who I need to learn from? Just to pick up on your point where you said it surprised you how much he's played, it surprised him. He said that on record, that okay. he wasn't expecting to play, to play as much as he has since he's come in. But no, and I think that's part of the issue for him and really how Rovers fans have judged him is mm -hmm. um, they've got two lads in Jake Garrett and Adam Wharton, both who were uh, 18 and 19 uh, coming through the ranks. And then there's Tyler at 20, John Buckley at 23, and then Lewis Travis, who's the captain at 25. So, And the other four are all homegrown players. So mm -hmm. there's, there's not a great deal of experience. So I think when fans looked at it in the summer, uh, the way that Rovers explained it was they didn't want to block the pathway of, of Wharton and Garrett by bringing in a long-term signing. Mm -hmm. So that they just wanted somebody for this season to enable them to come on. Um, but equally, I think fans are probably looking back at the time and thinking, oh, was another 20-year-old kid thrown into that situation? Was that the right thing? But Rovers thinking was that here you've got a lad who's played for Liverpool's first team. Um, who's really got the quality and, and is it available and they've got a relationship with Liverpool to be able to get him. So that was mm -hmm. that was really how uh, how things came about. But no, he, he's been trusted as a big part of the team. Uh, he's been, while Rovers have moved things around, Morton's been one of the regular faces in central midfield. So experienced faces, a few and far between. Rovers have got one player over the age of 30 in the whole squad. Um and obviously, like I've said, the central midfield is particularly young. So I think he's probably learning on the job like a lot yeah. of them. Um, and it's it's put him in situations that he won't have been in before. Uh, and it, it really has been sink or swim for him. Yeah, it certainly seems like a baptism of fire in many senses. But I'll, I'll touch on Blackburn more generally a little bit later. But he's, he's succeeding. I mean, John Dahl Thomason's the manager there. He seems to be doing a really, really impressive job. Um, with Morton then, do you think... You mentioned how much he's played. He's played 34 times in the league alone, which is something in itself, I think it's fair to say. Um, has it always has he always been the first choice there? Was the manager taking him out of the side a little bit at times as well? Because from doing a little bit of reading up, 
it looks like Del Thomason's got a habit of taking players out of the firing line for little periods. Has Morton been one of them as well? Be, but only only recently. Um, and I think that's been the thing that since he's come in, Thomason, if if you're not playing regularly, you'll play for the under-21s. He doesn't see it as a punishment. He sees it as a way of you know, keeping people up to speed. So I think Tyler's played certainly twice for the under-21s in recent okay. weeks. So when, when you don't play for the first team, it, it does... It does keep you going with, with minutes for the under twenty ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, probably I think since he came in from the end of August to um, middle of January, he'd started all but one league game, um, and then it, it's probably only been this last couple of months where he's, he's dropped out the side. Um, and then John Buckley, who started five in a row with Travis, who I think most people thought they'd be the central midfield pairing for the for the uh, for the season. Both of them have spent time out the side, but mm-hmm. Buckley's now out for the season. He got injured against Stoke earlier this month, so that's pretty much offered Tyler a straight route back into the team. You know, um, you know, without it really been a decision, um, it was taken out of Thomason's hands in that Buckley got injured, and that was the way fit for Morton to come back into the side. Yeah, with with Morton sort of um, being taken out of the side, then was that based on form? Do you think, or is that just the way Thomason operates? Would you yeah, say that that's hard to say um, because he's done it with every like everybody's yeah. had a period out of the team, so it's probably hard to say. But equally, I think it was getting to the point where his position was probably being looked at by a lot of fans because okay. he was the one who um, who hadn't had a period out of the side. If that makes sense. Mm. Um, and having spoke to Tyler himself, he, he understood that, um, but was eager to get back in. Um, there's always things with loan players in, you know, um, is he playing because there's a loan clause in there, reasons yeah. like that. So, you know, things like that do get brought up. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, um, it, Buckley was probably due his chance back in. Travis, who was the club captain, <laughs> spent six weeks out the side uh, and he came back in at the back end of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they were probably just getting a, a run of games and then, yeah, Buckley's injuries offered him a, a way back into the team. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like he's learning sort of on the pitch as well as off it in that case because having to respond to being taken out of the side for a period as well. And it sounds from what you're saying like he's responded in quite a mature manner, which is only a positive in itself because it's not always going to be smooth sailing, is it, the path to, the path to first-team football, wherever he ends up playing. And like I said earlier, we've seen a little bit of him, I think it was at Porto in the Champions League game. So for somebody so young, he has faced a fair amount of football and a fair amount of uh, decisions, I suppose, in his short career so far. Um, just positionally then, Rich, I wanted to ask you, because I did again, had a little look at how he'd been playing and where he'd been playing for Blackburn. He seems to have spent most of his time in like a defensive midfield role, I think that'd be fair to say, but he's also dropped in at centre-back and he's done a little bit more further up the field as well. From what you've seen, where would you say his strongest place has been? So, he's had a few... He's had a hard hand dealt to him in a way of how he's been judged with the fans, because you know they'd quite like to see people of their own put in there and also the role is being given most of it has been as you know the deepest lying central mm-hmm. midfielder of which Rovers because they've had Dak and Smodics who are out and out number 10s it's been a midfield two so you're asking a lot from the style they're trying to play really passing out from the back he has to take a lot of risks and I think that's probably the, the one thing from Thomason's football is there's a lot of risk played in your own you know defensive third so okay. I think that's why it's asking so much of Tyler in that position is he's the one who they're looking to get on the ball and dictate the play from deep. Mm-hmm. Um, I think only twice this season have Rovers played a midfield three uh, and that was probably one of his better games at Middlesbrough away. He played um, played in a midfield three. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most of his players has come as the, the deepest line midfielder in, uh, in a two. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do 
not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Cheers to Dan and cheers to Rich for that one. Yet yeah, I'm sure we'll be seeing more of Tyler Morton this coming summer as Liverpool head out on their pre-season activities. Moving on then to JNO Insight, my favourite show of the week. I love having Neil Jones in studio to drill deep into some of the major topics around the Liverpool Football Club. And it turns out this week was a great time to get Neil in. I mean, it usually is, but this one was even better because just a couple of days ago, Neil spoke about Mason Mount. He's done an exclusive report or talks for the Chelsea midfielder. So, yeah, I really want to know exactly what's going on surrounding Liverpool's interest in Mason Mount and why not get it from anyone else other than the man himself. Well, you'd be stupid too. You'd be absolutely stupid too. So, yeah, here's a clip from this week's Journal Insights all about Chelsea's Mason Mount. One man they've been linked to then is Chelsea's Mason Mount. And, Neil, you wrote an article the other day for goal, uh, or put out rather. Um, just want to get, pick your brains on that one, really. Uh, can I start, if you don't mind? I'm going to Paxman drill yeah. if you don't mind. I'm not really. Uh, I don't think I'm capable of that one. Um, you know, sources tell Goal that the Reds were up to talk to talks over a possible move for Mason Mount and they would be willing to and able to meet the players' salary demands. That's the starting point for me on this one. There's wheels turning already. There's, there's yeah. things are in motion. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he, he, listen, he's, he's appointed a new agent, which is usually a, a precursor to he wants the agent to do something, i.e. a new contract or a, or a transfer. Um, he's into... Well, about to enter the final year of his contract at Chelsea. There's no real progress been made on, on an extension. So he's given thought to his next move and Chelsea are in a position, I mean, we're talking about Liverpool missing out the Champions League. Chelsea are further back than Liverpool. They're, they're not going to be playing Champions League unless they pull off an, a miracle, which I suppose in Chelsea's case is, is possible given Roberto Di Matteo and Thomas Tuchel have won it um, in the past, you know, and pretty short-term appointments. They're not going to be playing the Champions League, so they are going to be in a position where they're going to have to do some book balancing. They've, they've spent an awful lot of money. They've brought in an awful lot of players. Um, and there's, there are players now that are going to have to leave the club. And I think, I mean, we're going to talk about another one. I think, you know, another Chelsea homegrown midfielder that that might might be in that list. But there's a lot of players, Christian Pulisic, Hakim Ziyech, um, Mason Mount. I'm sure there'll be some of the the, the raft of sort of wide and, and forward players that they, they'll be looking to to offload, um, and that means that there's a possibility, a strong possibility, I think, that Mount leaves the club in the summer. So, of course, the clubs that want to sign him or would be interested in signing him, Liverpool are one, will have already put in some groundwork and tested the water they have um, to find out. Well, what's he after? What's he? What's his sort of? What's his situation in Chelsea? Why is he wanting to leave Chelsea? Okay, he want you know he wants this kind of appreciation, salary, length of contract, and the word is that the feedback that's come back is not a case of now nah, I've got no chance of signing this player or now he's he's 
he's desperate to sign his new contract or no, no, he's got no interest in moving to a Premier League rival or those kind of things. It's all, you know, positive, if you want to call it that. Doesn't mean Liverpool will sign him, doesn't mean that they're sort of going to push the boat out and spend £80 million or whatever Chelsea will, 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 will suggest and might be a, an asking price, but it does mean that if there's an opportunity to sign him, then I think Liverpool will be pretty much, you know, at the front of the queue or close to it. Yeah, because you mentioned here, obviously United a link with him, Thomas Tuchel, Bayern Munich as, as mm-hmm. well. So there's no indication at this stage like of anyone who's like, you mentioned before, like at the front of the queue, like on Mason's his preference of what he wants to do. It looks like yeah. he wants to leave, you'd think, given what, what's been reported, but there's no like, yeah, there's no, there's no ideal destination so far. It's just wait and see kind of thing. Yeah, and I think I think City were also sort of tentatively linked somewhere down the line. I mean, you know, it would be a big move for someone like Mason Mount to, to, to join Bayern Munich, wouldn't it? You know, that would be a sort of a... I think that would be the, the surprise move of, of all of this. The rest, you sort of see, well, yeah, OK, that would be one. You know, you've seen last summer with, with, with Chelsea buying Raheem Sterling that, you know, I think you get... And, and Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko... I think Premier League clubs are getting a little bit more sort of the head around the fact that the way the financial world is in football, we're going to have to start dealing with our rival clubs. You know, we can't just sort of say, oh, no, no, he's not joining another top six club or he's not joining another London club or whatever. If you want to get rid of a player, the, the chances are you're going to have to sell him to a Premier League player or, or a select few European clubs. So I think that, I think that changes the, the landscape a little bit and makes it you know more likely that you'll see a player like Mason Mount going to a, another Premier League club where maybe five years ago, maybe maybe longer, that would be off the off the table. You know, the idea that they would sell a homegrown player to Arsenal or Liverpool or Manchester City would probably, you know, it wouldn't happen. You know, they've got obviously other players I think that are being linked. Like I say, Ben Chilwell's one that's I think pretty high on uh, Manchester City's list. You've got Reese James. That, that there's a lot of links with him. Maybe Real Madrid. Uh, so, and they've still got to do stuff as well. They are, after all, at eleventh in the Premier League table. You'd expect them, despite everything they've spent, you'd expect them to be going and trying to buy a few players. I think they've got Inkunku coming in from from Leipzig. They, they'll, I'm sure, they'll buy others. I mean, they're going to have to buy a goalkeeper. Uh, I think. So, I think there'll be there'll be a lot of changes going on at Chelsea in the summer, as ever, <laughs> with the manager included. Um, and I think, yeah, I think we we might see Mount. Be one of the sort of the higher profile um, victims, if you want to call it that, of, of the chain. Yeah, and, and moving on into, from a Liverpool point of view, my guess is like we're talking about the, the midfield rebuild. That makes it easier if you make some mount, I suppose, because like he's going to want to go somewhere and play. Yeah, you know he plays for England, so yeah, I'm, you're looking at some, you're looking at players who got, I can't afford to go somewhere and not play. Like, yeah, and he. And at the moment, I mean, people might have doubts about Mason Mount, but he walks into Liverpool's team. And to be fair, he'd be in that midfield more often than he wouldn't. And you meant, as you mentioned in the report, it's no caveat this with he's just been injured, but more often than not, he's been very available for Chelsea a lot of the time. He can he can do a lot of roles. I can I can see why Liverpool and Jurgen mm. Klopp uh, they've been interested for a long time, and I thought it was interesting that Jurgen referenced them as Mason. And yeah, like, you know, like, I noticed that yeah. as well. But like he's done does, that a few times, hasn't yeah, he? It, look, it, it does look like yeah, it makes sense why Liverpool want him. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's not someone I don't think who's got a wide sort of fan base or appreciation in within the game. Even at Chelsea, really, there's there's a bit of a mixed you know feeling. He feels like more of a a sort of an inside the industry player. You know, people rate him, managers and coaches, and and maybe sort of you know real deeper observers he, he does a lot of things well yeah you have to caveat that again with not not necessarily this season he's had a bit of a struggle but you look last season double figures for goals and assists you know player of the season two years running at Chelsea in a season where one year they won the Champions League one year they reached both domestic cup finals and, and, and you know last stages of the Champions League so he he's not just getting it because they're doesn't it's not in a season like this that he's getting player of the year where everyone's been rubbish you know he's obviously played pretty regularly for a team that's been doing well and he's won won the player of the year award twice I think Hazard was the last player to do that so he's in decent company there I think yeah he walks into Liverpool's midfield well hopefully he runs into Liverpool's midfield to be fair um, yeah, the, the, the last thing we need is someone walking into that <laughs> midfield but um, yeah he, he, get, he strengthens immediately this isn't a player you know like sometimes you look at players like Ross Barkley for example going to Chelsea Oh, Jack Rodwell going to Manchester City. I'm picked two Everton lads there, but you know Scott Parker when he joined Chelsea, you were thinking, 
that's a decent move for you, but you're going to have to get used to sort of being in and out. And, and in, in the end, it, it affects their career, doesn't it? You know, in the sense of you sort of commit to that. You know, I think Steve Sidwell was another one. I remember him sort of being a, a highly rated player and then he goes to Chelsea for, you know, understandable reasons. But by the time he comes out of Chelsea, he's never, ever quite going to get to that same level. I think Mason Mount coming to Liverpool is is a player coming to to immediately go into the first eleven of a good side, you know, or a, a, an ambitious side and a top side. So I, I don't I don't have any any problems with that. Um I think like you say, the availability it's huge, isn't it? You know, I know I know you can't predict and you know, I think sadly look at Sadio Manage and even Aldham since they've left Liverpool, you would have said when they were leaving, Wow, they're always they're always fit and they they've they've broken down, both of them, you know, immediately after leaving Liverpool or very soon after. So you can't you can't always hang your hat on it, but it does give you good sort of omens when a player is playing fifty games. I think it's three seasons in a row he played fifty games, or, or, or very close to. You know, he's he's plays on thirty two, I think, already this season. So potentially, you know, going a plus forty. I know he was he was on the bench, wasn't he on um, yeah. on Tuesday? Didn't come on. I think, um, yeah, that was. I think the intro of my piece actually talked about sort of body language experts and things like that. And I think that would have been interesting seeing him come on. I could imagine Jürgen giving him a little <laughs> fist bump on the side before he came on. Um, so, yeah, I think I think there are a lot... I think it makes sense for Liverpool. I'm not sure it makes sense for Chelsea, personally, and besides the financial and maybe the, you know, the sort of... If the player has just made it clear that he wants to leave, then, yeah, it makes sense. But I think it's sort of a little bit typical of Chelsea that they're they're always pursuing the new thing, the, the the next thing, and maybe sometimes they don't look at what they've already got. And you look at some of the players they've let go. You know, Tammy Abraham being probably a good example. I think he'd, I think he'd be quite useful for them at this moment in time. You look at Lukaku. You know, <laughs> they're desperate for a centre forward. They'd rather go and pursue sort of a new shiny new sign, and rather than maybe persist and and use it. When you look at the manager situation, you look at Thomas Tuchel. You know, going to be managing the Champions League, and Chelsea are going to be putting Frank Lampard on the touchline by the looks of things. So I think it's um, it's something that Liverpool can benefit from. You know, the way that Chelsea are a little bit of a differently run club, they have a different sort of priorities. I think Liverpool might be in a position or should be in a position where they can take advantage of that in the summer. Yeah, like you say, the talks are on. Talks are going, so we'll see how that one pans out. Before we move on, from Mount got a question from the Discord from Dobby Home who says, um, do you think this Lampard appointment, if it happens, that Chelsea damages the chances of him? Because... We spoke about we've spoke a lot about Mason Mount in the past and uh, Frank Lampard loved him. He picked him every time as often as he could, mm. both at Derby and Chelsea. Now it's worth noting as he stands, Frank Lampard's gonna be an interim manager, so don't know how, how much that um holds in the future. But he's pro- you know, if he wasn't in the team, you wouldn't be shocked if Lampard gets him straight back in the team oh, straight yeah. away because he doesn't love him. Does that have any impact on this at all? Is the even the chance that, you know, he stays at Chelsea at this point? I don't know. I I mean I wouldn't be Hanging any anything on Mason Mount signing a long term contract because Frank Lampard's the manager of Chelsea. Even if Frank Lampard wins all these games, wins the Champions League, gets his new contract, the the, the expectation or the chances are he's not the manager in twelve months' time because that's just how Chelsea is. And without you know without being cruel, that it's Frank Lampard. You know, like he's he would have to do something that we've never seen him do to to, to earn that sort of long term. Thing. You know, you'd have to, he would have to solve some pretty big issues that have arisen in his managerial career if he was to spend any length of time at Chelsea. He's obviously got a chance now, and I, yeah, I think you're right. I think I think Mason Mount will probably be in the team immediately, you know, if he's available and fit. Um, but if you were advising Mason Mount, I, I wouldn't tie my, I wouldn't tie my future to Frank Lampard at Chelsea. I wouldn't tie my future to any manager at Chelsea. You know, it would have to be. Right for the club, right? Oh, sorry, right for him, and and based on that, it, it, you couldn't you couldn't say, oh no, because this manager's in charge of Chelsea. Because unfortunately, the or you know just just truly, the chances are that the manager won't be there. You'll outlive the manager if you if you're on a, on a three four year contract. So yeah, I, I don't I don't I think it might help. Mount in the sense of getting him back to some kind of form. I wouldn't be at all surprised if you see him, as I say, playing a lot of games, maybe getting looking a little bit sharper and and and, and you know enjoying his his football a bit more than maybe he has, being a, a more central figure. But I don't think it will. Um, I don't think it will change too much by way of uh, and and also I, I can't think 
you know, Frank Lampard's going to come in for the last 12 games and say, right, I've got me listed demands. First and foremost, we'd have to give him a new con. You know, I don't think he's got that kind of power. You know, he's... He, I, I don't know Frank, but I would imagine he can't believe his luck. And I would imagine that he would... Uh, he would do pretty much anything he was told in the next few months of weeks because, you know, he's got an opportunity that he hasn't earned and didn't expect, but now has to try and take. Yeah, you know, so just to wrap up the mount stuff, then it's just one, yeah, it's just something to keep an eye on really over the next few weeks, see what comes of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's clear that it's, you know, he's he's a player that is, a, is going to be available and plays in a position that Liverpool needs and potentially is within Liverpool's arch in terms of finances and, and availability. So, yeah, I, I, I'd keep an eye on it and, you know, let's see how he plays in the next few weeks. You know, get him on the pitch first and foremost. Thanks very much to Neil for that one. Yeah, Neil's an absolute superstar. We had loads of conversations on that show, by the way. We spoke about Conor Gallagher, Alexis McAllister. We spoke about Lindstrom. We spoke about Kim. It was a very, very heavy transfer show with some amazing insight from Neil. So yeah, make sure you go and check that one out over on Plus. Right then, moving on, speaking of amazing shows on Red Men Plus, there's none better than the deep dive. It's Josh, it's Chris, it's tactics, it's stats, it's analysis. And even when the Reds are playing a little bit crap, and granted that is quite often this season, those lads can drill down into the numbers and into the stats to find out exactly what's going on with Liverpool Football Club. Check out this week's edition of the Deep Dive. If you look at what, what Chelsea did, first of all, in, in terms of their setup, because Liverpool was very much like a 4 3 3, wasn't it? Mm. Liverpool were very much like. Firmino in the middle, drop off as he always does, and you had two wide forwards either side of him in Darwin Nunes and, and Jot Ayrton. It was it was standard typical Liverpool to be honest. Chelsea, I think lately, under Potter at least, were playing like a four three three most weeks. Uh, they adjusted it slightly and went with a three five two with Chilwell and Rhys James as wing backs. They had a midfield three of Enzo Fernandez, Kovacic and Kante for his, his customary return against Liverpool and then a front two of Havertz and Felix mm-hmm. um, but the way in which they set up did cause issues for Liverpool because this is this is essentially what it did say Alisson um, who played there Matip or, or Gomez or whatever had the ball you had Felix attaching himself to Firmino uh, Fabinho mm-hmm. you had Kovacic attaching himself to Henderson you had Jones getting followed by Kante and then you had Enzo Fernandez stopping Firmino like that. So you kind of had almost a man for man in the middle of the park. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to Liverpool building the game here, they didn't really have too much of a passing option. And when it comes to like going long to like a Jota or a Nunes, I mean, we're going to touch on but I, I don't think they kind of make the ball stick as well as Salah, Mane and, and Firmino did in their prime years, don't yeah. you? No, I think that's absolutely right. I think one of the things that I found most interesting about the game is that Joe Gomez knows what he's doing at right-back for Liverpool. He's a good cross of the ball. In fact, he gets a cross in early doors to Diogo Jota, which who I think maybe about 20th minute or something. I think if he'd have scored a goal in the last year, he might have actually had a go on goal with a header. I think difficult header. 10 yards out, maybe. Yeah. Cross didn't have loads on it, but I think he'd have had a pop, and he's very good at heading the ball. Whereas Jota lacking confidence decides to play back. So what I'm trying to say is, Joe Gomez is very good with the ball at his feet. I think his crossing's underrated. I think we talk about Joe Gomez's crossing like it's shit or going, as soon as he goes over the halfway line, people say he's not very good. He's actually all right. He's serviceable there, certainly. Mm. What I found is that when he did get forwards down that right-hand side, and Henderson, for example, did have the ball, there wasn't much trust that he was going to do something. Like, I'd see Henderson hold on to it and turn around and go into trouble inside rather than just playing Gomez in, in space. As in Henderson, Trust and Gomez. As mean? in Henderson, Trust yeah. and Gomez. And I think that was one of the problems that we had across the board is there was too much... There was too, We were too conservative and safe in possession and I'm not wanting to, like... The lads that came into the side... I didn't, You know, like, when you play footy when you're a kid in school and you, you go through it and you take turns to make your picks... 
right? And you lot this in five sides or whatever. Yeah. And the lad who's picked last, sometimes everyone just fucking hates playing with him, right? <laughs> and, and they just ignore him. Well, there's no trust there that he's going to do anything. And you end up in five sides with this one lad that's completely fucking free in space, easy ball on, and someone does something mad to not pass him the ball. Yeah. And I felt like not as obvious as that. And I've just fucked the board up if you are watching this. Shall I fix it while you're... You can fix it, yeah, but I don't think it was as obvious as that, but I certainly felt like there was opportunities to play Gomez in, and he was just kind of ignored. And it's like, what are you doing? You've got to trust that these lads are part and parcel of this system, and the system won't work if you're only using one side of it. You've got to use the full width of the pitch. You've got to use the players that are in space at all times. And I found it a bit baffling at times, and again, slow, pedestrian build-up play when we did have the ball. Not many opportunities created. Terrible defensively when we didn't have the ball. Like for the third game running, Josh, we conceded four big chances to the opposition team. Yeah. We were lucky this time we didn't concede a goal. Yeah, well, Real Madrid had four big chances. Who was the one after that that we lost City. to? City had four big chances, and Chelsea had four big chances. They're the last three games. Yeah, you know what well, I mean, and Bournemouth, I think Bournemouth had two big chances. They beat us one 0 Like that's far too many. We didn't have a big chance in the game. No. Well, if you, if you look at Liverpool's last three games, if you include Real Madrid, all of them have been away. All of them have been against top sides. And Liverpool conceded shots with about 2.2 expected goals against Chelsea, 2.9 expected goals against City, and 2.2 expected goals against Real Madrid. And themselves created shots with 0.3 against Chelsea, 0.3 against City, 0.6 against Real Madrid. So they're essentially comfortable... 2-0, 3-0 losses yeah. in each of our last three games, basically. And we were lucky in this instance to get that sort of nil-nil. I was looking at the, uh, you know, Liverpool's XG, for example, right, um, in this game. Jordan Henderson, our biggest XG, um, 0.14. Any idea what that one was? Uh, no. <laughs> the one where Kepa messes up and he hits it left-footed from about 35 yards, and it, oh, ends, up, yeah, okay, it yeah. ends up getting blocked by his Akula Bali or something anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's our biggest XG opportunity. Now, granted, I'm not counting the Jota one because he doesn't get a shot off where he should have cut back past his man. I would have thought that was Fabinho's a good opportunity. Fabinho's is 0.04, obviously, and 0.09 was two ones, both blocked, both loads of players in front yeah, wasn't true, there, yeah. and if it's taken into where the player positions are, that'll be why. Uh, post shot XG Darwin Nunes had 0.24 with a right footed effort in the 45th minute uh, and Joe Gomez has 0.12 after a 0.03 chance post shot XG um, whereas Chelsea 0.52 for Kovacic 0.37 for Kai Havertz which turns into 0.61 post shot 0.47 for Kai Havertz which is a 0.42 they're the, they're the big ones aren't they uh, and then a point, another 0.31 for, for Matteo Kovacic so Liverpool aren't getting themselves into situations where we can score easy goals anymore no and that's a massive concern and you've changed the front three but it doesn't matter which front three we've played we have not been able to work them in. Yeah, well, Klopp kind of touched on this in his press conference recently. I thought it was quite weird when he, he, he... I think he got asked about his time at Dortmund and how he kind of turned it round. He mentioned that he got players back and things like that. And if you look at Liverpool's season so far, we're, we're well into it now. He's had multiple different players back from injury and he's added a new sign in January and Gapo and things like that. And he, he kind of said, like, nothing has changed. Like, we're still just as bad as we were against Fulham in uh, August or whatever it was. So... It is a concern, like, and I think generally when you've got no confidence, and specifically on the back of a big defeat, which we've just suffered against City, usually the first performance back after that is just about, you know, mentality and attitude and keeping a clean sheet. And Klopp touched on those elements a lot in his post-match press conference after this game. Mm. It was just all about like effort and endeavour, and there was no actual craft in there. Um, and I think obviously Chelsea causing issues for Liverpool in the middle of the park in terms of man mark and. Um, Firmino and, and Liverpool's midfield three. The because the, the system Liverpool were facing was a a three five two. If you look at that system, the spaces there is Liverpool's fullbacks essentially, um, because they've got three midfielders in the centre, mm -hmm. and you've got the wing backs who are probably going to be taking care of like of Nunes and Jota on the day. So our fullbacks had a lot of space to use the ball. The issue is, rather than Field and Trent and Robbo on the day, who might have punished that approach a little bit more. We played with Gomez and Simakas. Simakas was awful. 
Yeah. Um, His passion was terrible. They're two first two big opportunities come from him losing the ball. Yeah, I mean, considering he was given an opportunity essentially to impress, Klopp touched on that before the game as well. Like we got, we weren't too happy with City. I think Robertson got roasted a couple of times against Mahrez. Simicas comes in and plays like that, so frustrating. Well, you were saying this last week, weren't you? That you don't, you don't reckon he's actually taking his opportunities, Simicas. It was you that was talking to, wasn't it? Uh, it might have been, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I think, anyway. But I just, like his first, something like his first five touches, he, he, he lost the ball here yeah, like five times in a row. And every time considered a transition, it's just. That's I mean, look on the bright side, Josh. He could have lost the ball on the edge of the penalty. Yeah, <laughs> true. So losing the ball up by the halfway <laughs> line is not a bad thing for us. But it, obviously, true. I'm joking. Not ideal, it? It's not ideal, and you know, I, I think the, the centre back partnership, the enforced change with Virgil Van Dijk, and and obviously having to bring Matip in, moving Canate, he's probably not helped us either. But did you? Here's a question I wanted to ask. Did you feel like we had Dejan Lovren back in the defence for the <laughs> moment? And I, I want to say by this is not the Dejan. I mean. Not like, you know, when I say Dejan Lovren, people are thinking, oh my God, all the mistakes and stuff like this. But I mean, we had a very, very aggressive centre-half in Canate without Van Dijk, <laughs> yeah. who was going in to the challenge wherever it was. Yeah. And I felt that was really strange because I'm so used to seeing Liverpool's defenders sit off and wait and give time. Virgil van Dijk does this better than anybody or did do this better than anyone. Give time for other players to come back into the game and all that type of stuff. Mm. I, it reminded me so much of aggressive, I'm going to go and win the ball wherever I am. And I was I was a bit shocked by that performance from Canate because he'd go past his man and we'd be and it would be just the three at the back again and, and there'd be yeah. two lads going on against us just running at us and I'm like, you've taken yourself out the game and I've not seen a Liverpool centre half do that since Dejan Lovren did it because and I, I don't mind aggressive centre halves mm. but like it was so night and day to what we've seen over the last few years that it really sort of shocked me on the night. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying and I think. Um... There was a few times where he kind of got caught out and got played in behind and, and things like that. But generally, I agree with you, though, in, in, in the sense that I don't overly mind it. I think generally, if you look at Liverpool's performances this season, I think it's been lacking a little bit. Mm. Van Dijk's looks like he's, he's been defending with aura alone at times, hasn't he? And Gomez looks shot, looks reluctant, hesitant at times. Um, Matip, a little bit the same. So I don't overly mind it within reason. Maybe he was a bit overload. Um but in terms of Liverpool's defensive, the defensive line, I thought the, I thought the fullbacks were probably more of a problem than the centre half. Oh, definitely. It, yeah. it would have helped for Trent to be here, just because he was the free man so often. Gomez. But, Can I ask you a question on that then? If Trent is in the side for this game in a hypothetical uh, world um, or in the multiverse, um, where were his passing options? Um. It's a good question, <laughs> but we if we play the front three, which we did obviously, and and, and these lads are likely to get up the field and things like that, there would have been the opportunity for Trent to essentially do what he did to get. It wasn't an assist, but the first goal against City was where Trent plays a ball from about here over the top to Jota. Jota's running in. So he's Sarah playing finishes. the ball from the sort of halfway line, and he's playing the ball over the top of the. Yeah, essentially, if you can play the three in and make it about this three against that three. Mm-hmm. Which is what I flagged last week, I think, when we, we might have talked about the game. Um, or we might have been talking about City in that sense. But that's generally what you want to do with Liverpool's front three. Make it about the back three if you're coming up against that kind of system. Cheers to Josh and to Chris for that one. Hope you enjoyed listening to that. And indeed, enjoyed listening to all those clips. Like I said at the top of the show, if you want those clips in full, with the full shows in video form or indeed in podcast form, you're listening to this as a podcast, so you're obviously a podcast user, you can get them downloaded into your native apps Head on over to redmenplus.com. Like I say, if you sign up as a yearly club captain, use the code weekly and you will get 20% off. If you're listening to this right now on your Spotify app thinking, I only want to get them in Spotify, well, Spotify's rules don't allow us really to throw Redmen Plus stuff in there from our website. But if you search for Redmen Plus podcast on your Spotify app, Search for it there and sign up monthly. You can pay Spotify directly and they will go into your app. Now, I'll be honest with you, we can't offer discounts on that one and we can't offer you the videos. It's the way Spotify works. So it's just their thing. It's not ours. But we know loads of you guys love listening just on Spotify. So you can find us there as well. If I'm being honest, the best way is to go to plus, redmenplus.com and sign up. But if you just absolutely adore Spotify, you can find us there. Like I say, just search for Redmen Plus podcast and we have got you covered there as well. We don't want you guys 
our Spotify users to miss out. That would be cruel. Right then, that is it for this week's edition of Red Men Weekly. Hopefully you guys have had a great week despite the Reds being a little bit stinky poo-poo at the footy. Let's all look ahead to Arsenal at the weekend. And yeah, whatever happens, have a good one and I'll catch you next week. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.